What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Nerdwide Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Haynes, with my good friend and jolly good elf, Mr. Chris Rivers. Now, Chris, how was your week this week? I wish I was an elf. <laughs> they had they have fun. They got unlimited um, cider, uh, hot yeah, chocolate, <laughs> just making toys all day. I mean, that's the life, really. Or you could be sitting there in the mission control, and we lost Santa, yeah. and, you know, be named Crouton. <laughs> yeah, true time. That would be my name. Yeah. Uh, no, my weekend's been good. I've uh, been off since Thanksgiving. Awesome. So I've got, I've got tonight, tomorrow night, that I'm off before I have to go back. So, uh, that's been fun. Nice quiet holiday. Just getting to enjoy some entertainment mm. once, uh, and not feel rushed to try right. and stuff. Uh, I've still got a couple more shows I want to watch. Uh, before I go back to work, I want to rip through American Horror Stories latest season, and then I want to mm. watch Wednesday. On so we we meant to start Wednesday, didn't start it, but we even to the point we had it pulled up and got distracted somehow, some way, and didn't end up watching it. Um, you have to let me know when you're done with American Horror Story because Jamie wants to talk to you about that. Okay. Uh, Thanks. So. It was fine. We. Didn't do a whole lot this year, which is perfectly fine. I wish we ate dinner with uh, some family and then came back home. I had to go to work the next morning. So I just did that and worked a little bit and came home, clocked out, and said, I'm going to enjoy my weekend. So nothing nothing crazy. Had a Didn't do any Black Friday shopping like we normally do. There's nothing really going on, which is a weird year because everything was on sale at the beginning of the month. And you can buy everything online. So I'm curious to see what Cyber Monday looks like if I find anything. But I mean, Jamie and one of her friends went out Friday morning, nothing like crazy early. And they said there was nothing out there. I was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> so it is what it is, I guess. But yeah. But you know, it did ring in the official Christmas season. You kind of see it if you're watching on video with the red tint behind my blinds. We've got our Christmas lights put out, and all of our trees and decorations are up, and we're, we're ready. We ran straight into it. We're here. So, oh, I can't wait. There's no nothing really here besides my Iron Man stocking. But. Can I just say thank you, though, for waiting until the Thanksgiving weekend? Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's a rule that. in my household. Yeah. We don't do anything exactly. Christmas until after Thanksgiving. I was already seeing stuff coming out like right after Halloween. Yep. Yeah, no, no. Like, no, the no, Thanksgiving's here good. for a reason. Let me eat my food, and then yeah. we dive into the Christmas. That's that's been a rule, and um, I, I try to pass that on to my children. But Zoe, the oldest, unfortunately, started listening to Christmas music. I think two weeks, no, uh, week and a half before Thanksgiving, and I was like, mm, careful, getting no. close to being disowned. Careful. Uh, I- I had some uh, I had some music playing at work, like the night before Thanksgiving, and someone heard it. They thought it was a Christmas song, and I said, "Nope, Mm-mm. nope." I said, "That's next week." Yeah, we start that next week. We're we're not doing that tonight. <laughs> All right. Thanksgiving first, and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, everybody, welcome back to the Nerdwide Podcast. This is episode ninety three. 
Uh, don't forget to subscribe to either our YouTube or podcasting service of your choice. If you enjoy the show, make sure you leave us a thumbs up on YouTube or give us a good rating for whatever podcasting app you use. If you don't enjoy what you see or hear, make sure you leave us a comment down below. Let us know how we can improve the show because we can't improve. We don't know what we're messing up. If you want to do more, you can always go to patreon.com slash nerdwind. Three different tiers for three different monetary values that you could do monthly. A bunch of whole little... Uh, Good little goodies you can do there if you want to do that way. Uh, of course, each one you make us force want force us to watch a movie or a TV show um, or play a certain game. There's just a little couple little tidbits in there if you want to go that route. But Chris, you say been watching a bunch of your entertainment things. You watched anything TV wise? I, well, I finished Blockbuster. Mm. Um, do you think it's coming back for season two? I don't know, man. Everything online says people didn't really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, they left it, as far as the relationship stuff between um, Timmy and Eliza, mm. they they kind of left that hanging where she was, she turned down her ex-husband when he reproposed. Oh. Told him that it was Timmy that she wanted to be with. <gasps> she, went to tell, she went to tell Timmy. And uh, Timmy, the store, had had this uh, kind of riot in the store. So oh. he was preoccupied with that. And uh, so she never gets to tell him. But one of the other workers, Hannah, had been recording the proposal and caught the aftermath on there. So she knows that she wants... You know, it's all that sort of stuff. Mm. I don't think they'll come back for a season two. If they do, maybe it's abbreviated. Right. Netflix isn't real big on giving shows. Not, the yeah, right not here lately. No, <laughs> so, they just, yeah, you're done. Yeah. But they finger, yeah, you're done. Because it hasn't been critically acclaimed, they'll probably bring it back. Yeah. It seems like the ones that they cancel are the ones people love. Yep. They make the most so, uh, waves on social media and everything. Yeah. So... So, but if you used to work there, I'd say watch it. It's ten episodes. It's what, like twenty? Yeah, twenty-two minutes. Minute. Yeah, something like that. So, it's something you can throw on and binge and have a little fun watching. You don't mm. have to pay too close of attention because there's not major plot points. Right. Just kind of have it on for a sitcom going on in the background. Yeah. 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 Uh, after that, I watched Pepsi. Where's my jet? I'm curious about this one. We four, talked about this last week. Um, yeah, it's a little four-episode documentary on Netflix. So, so let me ask you this, because we, we we might watch it, so I don't know if spoilers or anything, as if it didn't happen in history. But we watched the trailer for it this week, and the main guy is sitting, it looks like in a hangar with a plane behind him. Uh, Was that the plane from the Pepsi thing? No. Okay, I was about to say like that's kind of weird. You know, you're making this whole story, and I'm like, well, oh, is that the plane behind him? So, no. Okay. They just had him. They just had him in a hangar for effect. That makes sense. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna oh, watch that uh, at some point, but I don't know when. But what's interesting is his attorney at one point in that whole thing was Michael Avenatti, mm. who used to represent Stormy Daniels. You know, when all that was going on yeah. with Trump and all. And now Avenatti is going to prison for apparently trying to extort money from Nike. Interesting. 
and you kind of get a glimpse of his the way he thinks when dealing with corporations when they talk to him in this that could be used in the court <laughs> i'm sure <Yeah>. they'll be used <laughs> so it's it's a fun watch it's four episodes at like i want to say it's 40 some minutes a piece yeah it's nothing crazy no. not committing too no. much time to it no no um but it's definitely a fun watch Mm. Uh, and it's something that if you haven't, um, if you haven't gone out of your way to look it up, you're going to learn a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. There. That's what I think we're going to do. So that sounds like really exciting. Yeah. So that was, that was a good one. And then I, I started finally, I've been accumulating some of these episodes on the, uh, on the DVR here for the first half of this TV season, the new quantum leap. Mm. Um, on NBC, and I actually really like it. I was curious because I love the original. That was right? my next question. And I was curious if I would like it. And what they do is they kind of continue it from the original. Sam Beckett, the Scott Bakula character from the original run, is still out there leaping. No one knows where he's at. Mm. Um, of course, Al, who was always his his hologram that guided him, is is gone. He passed away. Uh, but they do talk about them in the show. And uh, you've got a whole new cast of characters. And it was interesting. I watched an episode not long before recording. It was the fourth episode, I think. And Justin Hartley was... Oh, good old Green Arrow. Main, one of the main guest stars. That's pretty cool. So you, got mm. a little, uh, you got a little This Is Us connection. Yeah. That's oh, exciting. I mean, he's, oh, I can't wait till I get back caught up to him on Smallville because we're, I think, two episodes away from the season finale for that rewatch podcast. And yeah. I, man, I'm loving every single second of it. It's just brought back so many memories of that show. I just, mm-hmm. oh, I just can't wait to get to him because, like, they do. Uh, I can't speak highly enough of it. They, they dive into the things and talk about behind the scenes stuff of what they happened if they remember these episodes. A lot of times they don't remember much, but they'll remember the stunts and they'll remember the people and it's just really it cool. Would be, it would be hard to remember every right episode. Well they had a hundred plus and and it's it's cool because you see like Tom Welling watching these Lex Luthor scenes, which he wasn't in, so he doesn't really know a lot of these plot points unless you watch these episodes. The same thing for Michael Rosenbaum watching the the Clark scenes. He didn't. He's like, I didn't know that happened. He goes, that makes right. sense for this scene that comes up that we both did together. They probably read it. I mean, because usually the way those shows work is you'll have a table read. Right. And so everyone knows what's happening. Uh, but, I mean, again, if you didn't film it, Hey, you're not going to pay attention that much. Yeah. You're just going to come and do your job and leave. But uh-huh. it, it's it's really cool. Like they even have some people from the community that does like the Smallville Wiki, um, the Smallville like trivia stuff that, that they had their own podcast. And they, like the last episode uh, from two weeks ago, they had one of those guys out there. And he's like, thank you guys so much for all of this. And, you know, if you guys ever want me to come back, I can. And this is really cool that they would do something like that reach out to the community that's kept them going for so long that's what i've always so back in the day i think it's been what 12 years ago now or something when chuck was on mm. god I, uh, I almost started that show again this week by the way you, almost 
so there was this I found this podcast at the time called Chuck versus the podcast because for those that don't know every episode of Chuck was Chuck versus something mm-hmm. so they did Chuck versus the podcast and it was just three fans of the show they started it from the jump right and they talked each episode mm. and they reached out and managed to wrangle a couple of interviews with people involved. I think initially they, they weren't getting cast members. Right? Right. They were just getting like the, the music coordinator and, and whoever they like could, that. which would yeah. be fun. I mean, and shoot, I'd like to do that for Titans and stuff like that for a show that we really care about. Well, but before long, they actually kind of became the official podcast for the show. They were, the actors were on there all the time. Mm. And it's just, it's really cool when something like that that starts out as a as a, a fan project, just for the, the love of the show, evolves like that. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the people involved with the show actually bring them in and make them part of that. It's really <sighs> awesome. So. Yeah, I gotta watch rewatch Chuck this week now. Like, because I was into the point that I Googled where it was at, because it's not on Amazon Prime anymore for free. It's on HBO Max. Yeah. That's also one that I'm surprised I don't own. I need to look that up tomorrow, actually. Because I would love uh, the box set for Blu-ray maybe, and digital for that. Maybe you'll get lucky and it'll be a Cyber Monday. Oh, don't don't give me hope. I'm, I'm still wanting a... So, I don't know... Jamie says we have. But I don't know if I've actually finished that show. I don't... Cause I know I did. I watched it when it was on air, and then I re we rewatched it, me and her, and she said we finished it, but I don't remember the ending to it. I think I know for sure we might have started the last season, because the last season starts off with Morgan having the computer in his head too. I think I don't remember it ever ending. I don't know. I'll have that finished in two weeks. I remember the ending more <laughs> than I remember the beginning of the last season. Ah, because that was because then Heroes Reborn or whatever the second continuation was called. He was in it. Zachary Levi was. I now need to watch. I'm gonna have to watch rewatch Shazam anyways because for um, Shazam two. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I've watched uh, Mythic Quest. I'm caught up on. Um, still really good. Just a damn good show, man. They, the writers, just Chef's Kiss, perfect. It's it's one of the best shows ever made for me. Um, I think that's it. Just catching up on doing my podcast episodes of like Scrubs and Smallville. But I don't. We started below deck. We're like halfway through the first episode. Oh, Bachelor of Paradise. Come on, Chris. We watched the the final two episodes. And yeah. uh, really good. Really good. Is it really is it really the last two episodes or are we gonna have more Oh for seasons? for this season. It'll be in this season next year. Oh. Yeah. God. But this season ended good. A lot of drama, a lot of cheating and backstabbing. Yeah. And these people get engaged, we come to find out that she broke the engagement off after the show and went to Italy with another guy from another one of the Bachelorette ep seasons. And they both got matching tattoos, but she wasn't cheating on them. No. Yeah, of course. But no, she, was. Happened, she was. She was. Other other things didn't happen. Yeah, right? of course. All that other stuff. So, 
Uh, <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it. Love that trash. I, the, <laughs> the only thing that bothers me about all those reality shows is if they weren't on, we could have more scripted shows. <laughs> that's what bothers you. <laughs> Some of the stuff that's gotten canceled prematurely, mm -hmm. I feel like wouldn't have been because reality TV wouldn't have been around. Brings in millions. Listen, I used to be right there with you till what? Pre-pandemic. And then Jamie got roped into the Bachelor stuff and so I started watching it. And then other reality TV shows hit me and I'm just like, I, well, is this who I am now? So... But it's bad that you could tell what's scripted and what's not, though. Uh, there's a lot of yeah. those things. That, I mean, okay, there's no way this would happen in real-life scenarios, and the producers just made these scenarios happen. So, right. But you have to get through that stuff. Big Brother, though, is probably my favorite reality show just because it's not scripted. Like, some people say that they, they are. Like they go into the diary rooms and they tell them what to do. But I'm like, there's there's because I watch the live feeds this season, like, there's no way that that's how that works. So... But anyways, guys, I know what you're here to listen to. We've got Titans Season 4, Episode 5, and we've got Santa Claus's Episodes 1 through 3. We're going to do just one new story total this week because we do have a lot of shows to and movies to review. So I want to make sure we, we jump through those uh, and give those the proper time before we do any news. There wasn't really anything big anyways besides the one we're going to talk about. But let's do Titans Episode 5. Full-on spoilers. And I did not even have the episode pulled up. We're going to ReviewGeek.com by Greg Wheeler once again. Start off the episode with Rachel listening to Sebastian's story, who retells his horrific dream he's been suffering from. He's on a runaway train, and there's no getting off. Rachel, though, is quick to point out that in real life, you get a choice, and as a, Trigun her a child of Trigun herself, she's managed to get off this train and believes he can do so as well. But the only thing for it is, is to keep Sebastian away from Mother Mayhem. I feel like we talked up this whole Red Moon and Red Knight episode for the first three, and it just kind of just started. And I was like, oh, I was kind of expecting a little bit different than this but they let it or no let us know early on that's the whole reason they're kept in that room is because the red moon is up that night so which is pretty cool great episode i'm just gonna you know future spoilers for that uh easier said than done though when we see connor is infected from his knife wound in the previous episode and he the huge snake from the toilet is on the loose Jinx needs to capture the snake in order to attempt to work her magic, so there's nothing else for it to do but search for through the labs for the snake. Gar heads off with Jinx while talking about his visions and how he's been. The places that Gar has been visiting is called the Red. Okay, I was expecting something a little bit cooler than this. Uh, she said, "Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's the Red." I'm like, "Huh? Okay, you know, <laughs> okay." <laughs> yeah. But Connor ends up possessed with the snake and gets close to Sebastian. Thankfully, the Titans manage to figure out what is happening. They tie Connor down with kryptonite cuffs after blind blindsiding him. I thought this was really, really well done. Like the whole miscommunication thing. That's the thing with so many members of this team. There's going to be things that get misconstrued. And when Rachel comes out, which I feel like Rachel should have figured that out during in the room. But, you know, she's being trusting and it's her team. I get it. But she's getting a snack. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, Connor's uh, there so I could take a break, like you said. And Corey and Dick are like, nope, no, 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 never said that. And they all start running back. And obviously he's got Sebastian. And then he attempts to laser eyes uh, 
Dick, which was really, really well done scene, and gets knocked out. And then gets placed in some kryptonite cuffs. I thought the guy that plays uh, Connor did a really, really good job this whole episode. Like the way he was flipping his personalities and emotions back and forth was really well done. Um, let's see. Corey and Raven takes Sebastian out of Star Labs to a downtown metropolis to a, the same diner chain that we saw in the first episode of the season, well, the first season, rather. Uh, meanwhile, Jinx deduces that they need to do a magical expulsion to free Connor from this curse slash snake. Given he's now being controlled and acting different, they don't have much other choice. It's time for Operation Trojan Horse Virus. Essentially, Gar is going to turn into a virus and head inside Connor's body. Given he can rearrange his DNA to anything, it should be theoretically possible for him to scramble down to that microscopic level. I don't know what the comics are like, but this took me out of it a little bit. I'm like... So he just turned into bacteria. And I'm like, he's beast boy and he's going to turn into animals. I, again, I don't know what the comics he's done. But everything that I've ever seen him in, from all the different Titans and Teen Titan shows, it's only been animals. So I guess theoretically he can be whatever he wants to. But, yeah, it was in the script. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't... Uh... I'm not as familiar with the comics, so I don't know if they've ever done that, but they explained it well. Yeah, they did a good job explaining it, and it made me like, yeah, I can believe that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the theory was that Gar's virus becomes a carrier for Jinx's blue ash, which is the key to undoing the infection. Gar intends to head down to Connor's body, replicate and infect the snake. In doing so, it would allow Connor to live. However, if Connor dies during this process, so does Gar. Even worse, there's no real exit strategy for getting Gar back out again, so it's a super risky plan. Still, the plan goes ahead and Gar's virus begins to spread inside of Connor's body. The Titans twiddle their thumbs and pray while Gar's plan goes into work. Uh, and as Connor goes into cardiac arrest, Dick quickly gives him some adrenaline to stop him from crashing. Which... Uh... Wouldn't really work. Anyways, the snake slithers out of Connor's mouth, but it's Tim who manages to slay the creature and save them all. As for Gar, they free him from Connor and he becomes whole once more in a cool little tank. I thought that was a really cool scene. And very um, Teen Titans Gar-like. Him coming out and saying, oh, that, that was a rush. And like all that acting uh, super optimistic, which is very, very much his Teen Titans role. Uh, meanwhile, Corey learns that her purpose in the world is fated to kill, not save Sebastian. We all thought it was a plot twist. We thought it was Rachel from the first season, but no, no, no. It's Sebastian. However, when Mother Mayhem suddenly shows up at the diner, Corey ends up fighting with her, and Sebastian sacrifices himself to, to save Corey's life. Given she's easily outfought and decides to say the three words of Trigon out loud, protecting Rachel and Corey from being killed. In doing so, though, has he plunged the world into chaos? Uh, again, Joseph Morgan, I, I hate he's becoming a bad guy. But we can see, Jamie and I were saying, wondering, like, so what's the thing that, that tilts him over that edge? Obviously, this whole episode and the whole episode prior, he does not want to be who they want him to be. And so we were just like, okay, well, what's going to set him off and set him over? And we see is, it. Is he, is, is he becoming a bad guy, though? Uh, Sebastian Blood is his name. And he's. Right. Yes. And. I can see how they're doing it. Because he's talked about, he mentioned it early in the episode, how he's always been alone and never really had anybody. Uh-huh. And we see him 
we see Joseph Morgan portrayed that at that last scene where they're all yeah. shouting and exciting and he walks up and he's like, okay, these people love me. And you can see his smile appear on his face. I'm like, oh, that's why. Because he thinks these yeah. are his people. I guess I just see it. He had that connection with Rachel. He right. even thanks her for being kind to him. And he's he doesn't want to do what he does, but he says the words to save other people. Right. So he he plunges himself into this, but it's for a selfless reason. Right. So I wonder if that's going to be at the... He, he's going to have some sort of arc. Yeah. And I wonder if that's going to be it, that he's... There's certain things he won't... He won't do. I'm hoping. I don't know. So it's, maybe. maybe. I, just, I hope Trigon doesn't get like... The whole point is for Trigon to come back to this world. And he right. has to have a vessel. And that was going to be Rachel. And so now I'm guessing it's supposed to be Sebastian. And something happens with Sebastian where he doesn't become it. But still becomes a bad guy. I don't know. There's a whole lot of questions here. I did love the uh, the bit where they're bringing Gar back. And they're looking in the in the the liquid, you know, the tub of liquid, and they're like, "I see a foot." It's <laughs> like it better be it better be a lot more than a foot, right? <laughs> it's good, man. Like there's just the I feel like everybody really outdid themselves this episode. Um, I love Tim a lot more than I have in the previous couples uh, episodes we've had. Uh, we saw yeah. a little bit of a training because also more of the same thing. Where is all this training? What is he doing? All this other stuff. But the way he reacted to that snake the second time, I was like, ah, there it is. Because like he did a whole little grab his staff and the whole little slam down the strike. I was like, yeah, there it is. I like where we're going. I, I will say this, though. With all the, the DC reboot and everything, what there's going to be of a reboot, I wish Titans was more prominent. Yes, it's it's kind of like it's off in its own little corner doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Doom Patrol. Yeah, and they need to they need to elevate those shows because those are two of the best things they have going. I'm curious to see what the plan is. I know we talk about it all the time, but with James Gunn and Peter, but he tweeted out. Someone asked him because he's very active on Twitter. Someone asked him. I said, you know. Oh, what are you? Are we keeping TV shows alive? We need you know good TV shows. He says yes. He goes. Peter and I's goal is to is all of it: movies, TV, and animated uh, projects. He says yes, there will be TV shows. I'm like okay, but that's not confirmation of yes. We're keeping Titans and Doom Patrol or anything. I I just, I just want that confirmation. That, that's all I want, one way or the other. Yeah, because if you're not gonna do it, I don't know. It's I'm still going to watch it till the end. Right. But I'll at least be able to know, okay, don't get too invested in the yeah. rest of this. Just enjoy the ride. I mean, we're, we're halfway through the season and we don't have an answer. So, yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, I don't know if they'll wait until they see what happens after Doom Patrol or wait until they see what Titans numbers are. But again, both of these are being started during the holiday season. They're about, I mean, Doom Patrol for sure. So I'm like, mm, what, where do we go from here with number-wise? I'd like to see Peacemaker pop up on Titans. That uh, that would be wonderful, or anybody from that series. But yeah, uh, halfway through the season, I like where we're going. We're looks like we're gonna start running from here on out. But mm. but man, they 
when Connor talked about Hank, and this one, he's like, oh, you're all about protecting your teammates. How'd that go with Hank? And I was like, ooh, low blow, man. That was, ooh, good, but yep. low blow. I wonder if we get anything from that because Connor hadn't woken up yet. <sighs> yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting. Mm. See, um, I'm curious, too, if they call in reinforcements. We know that there's a crossover. Right. But I'm curious if we'll see Hawk or wonder girl i think i think hawk is done wonder girl and not, not hawk, dove. dove yeah because i yeah. i know he's filming reacher right now which is great by the way that's yeah. what a phenomenal tv show and speaking of phenomenal tv shows listen it is christmas time and let's talk about santa claus's episode one through three um the first two have a really good recapping review on the third one not so much so we'll kind of fill in the blanks as we go full-on spoilers for these the first two episodes are going to movieweb.com by Alexander Navarro. Um, let's see. All right, spoiler warning. Here we go. First episode, good to hoe. Odd. Scott Calvin, <laughs> Scott Calvin is on the brink of his 65th birthday and realizes that he can't be Santa forever. He's starting to lose a step in his Santa duties, and more importantly, he's got a family who could benefit from a life in the normal world, especially two sons, one that grew up in Lakeside, Illinois, and one that grew up at the Pole. With a lot of elves, children, and family to please, Scott sets out to find a suitable replacement while preparing his family for a new adventure in this life south of the pole. This year, Santa's list was extra short, and he decides to visit Sarah, we saw from the first movie, the soy milk enthusiast from the first Santa Claus film, okay, if I would just stop trying to interrupt, for answers. Unfortunately, Sarah is much older, binge-watching Judge Judy from her parents' house, from Karen's couch and forgetting about the magic of Christmas. That is, until Santa whips out her favorite childhood toy, a Polly Pocket. He wished Sarah a Merry Christmas and tapped his nose to leave, but his magic had stopped working. Santa couldn't go back up the chim- chimney and after jiggling the lock, just went out the front door. The magic reserves in the sleigh are dangerously low. Meanwhile, at the North Pole, Mrs. Claus, played by Elizabeth Mitchell, helped her son Cal, Austin Kane, with his VR headset. Her daughter, Sandra, who is played by Elizabeth Allen Dick, is that, I wonder if there's any relation. I've been looking at that. Wanted to spend time with a fury friend and noted her mother needed her own identity. After returning to the North Pole and dancing to a strange version of Elves just want to have fun, Santa talked to his wife about his magical mishaps. He didn't want anyone to worry about the drop in holiday cheer, but at 65 years old, Mrs. Claus mentioned he could possibly retire. He decides to see the doctor who, decide, who says a loss of magic could result from children not believing in or needing Santa anymore. With less than a year until Christmas, Scott Calva decided to get out of shape quickly. Very funny. Um, even though he lost 10 more pounds, the doctor permitted him to fly on Christmas Eve. The naughty and nice check proved to be a problem, though. He couldn't label a child with ADHD as naughty. Also, even when using the word naughty, it was problematic. So here's what I had a little bit of a problem uh, with this show. There's a little too much Tim Allen. Um, yeah. And you could tell. I mean, Tim Allen, obviously yeah. a very big Republican. Um, I don't want to say much of a Trump. I don't, I don't think he's a big Trumper, but he's a pretty diehard Republican. And a lot of those stances are very much in this show. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. I can tell that was Tim Allen. Oof, I could yeah. tell that one was Tim he, Allen. He even mentions at one point, you know, I can't... I can't even say Merry Christmas to all. Right. He's even that's, happy holidays. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I mean. And it's like, come on, dude. Yeah, that didn't need to be in this. And no, so I'm really just, uh, that, that, some of that stuff kind of took me out of it. Um, 
Let's see. Held elf, head elf Betty is worried about Santa faltering and brings that to Santa's favorite elf, Noel. Could Santa losing his magic mean that all the elves disappear too? They decided to keep a close eye on the situation. Before Santa could say ho ho ho, it was Christmas Eve once again. A few more names were missing from the list, but Santa was ready to, for his first stop. On TV, there were problem with, with problems with everything now, who unfortunately had shipping problems delivering everything now. After landing on another house, Santa confessed to Noel that the world's got him down. He grabbed his sack to go down another chimney, and he was thrown from the roof and knocked unconscious. A chilling parallel to how Scott became Santa in the first place. And that's how you end the first episode. Listen, what these episodes are doing right, though, are the, are the little cliffhangers that make you want to watch that next episode. Because it just had him lying in the snow. And I was like, huh, okay, good thing the second one is out because that would suck. To wait for another week of that one. Um, Fast though, Tyler. Have you ever had a Polly Pocket potty party? No, because that's how she got her Polly Pocket taken away. <laughs> Playing at the toilet with her Polly Pocket. So <laughs> Dude, it was, I, I love the. Because like they had the whole set back, it felt like, or they reconstructed the set from the first movie. Uh, spoiler for our show, I watched Santa Claus 1, 2, and 3 um, this past weekend before watching this. And so I could see all the, the, the cameos, I guess, peppered in. And having Sarah back was really cool. And I was like, I, went, I said, well, that house looks like her house. And sure enough, he said, I'm going to visit Sarah. I was like, shut the front door. Really cool. Um, I also really liked the... The flashbacks we had that were in high def that weren't even in the movies like that. I was like, okay, this is really cool how they're kind of putting two and two together. Uh, first episode I was real high on, besides the the Tim Allen-isms uh, or the Publicanisms, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I'm just glad he's not a diehard Trumper because that would make this really hard for me. But it's going to have to get past some of that stuff because I'm sure there's going to be more, especially since we're back in the real world. Um, at the end of episode three, so I'm like, I'm just going to have to hopefully just ignore it and keep going. Yeah, I think in the pilot, or yeah, I guess it technically would be a pilot. Um, the Noel character, I thought he was just right in this. Yes. Right, but as it goes on, there's scenes where I'm like... Yeah, we're a little too much. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I, I am glad to see Cal Penn back. Uh-huh. Uh, he left Hollywood for a little while because he, uh, I think he took a position in one of the offices under Obama. I think he mm. was in the Obama administration. And then, because uh, I think that's why he left the TV show House. And then now he's back doing stuff so it's it's really cool too that we we have him back in this yeah he's, he's fun to watch i can already tell you remind me after the end of the recap of season or episode three because I, I have a feeling on I, I know how this show is going to go from here okay. on out um we'll get there uh but yes having him back and having him and his character and his daughter i really enjoyed um as the first episode yeah, the first episode is the one where Santa lands on the house and they go to the panic room. And then yeah. they come back into the room and everything's redone. Uh, I really enjoy it because we're seeing him on the outside of the world. From When we watched the trailer, that was my guess. He was becoming the new Santa. Which, uh -huh. technically, I guess I'm right. 
to an extent. But that was gets into my theory later. But it was really cool because he was looking at the numbers and the reports or the deliveries, and there's a 17% of deliveries is an unknown. And he had like yeah. a 56 or 57% was had Amazon on there. And he's like, what is this 16, 17% from? He just says unknown, which is obviously hinting at Santa, which I thought was really cool. So it's it's a tech guru trying to deliver things, have a bigger delivery source than Amazon, stuff like that. And he's a technical genius. Um, so chapter two titled The Success Clause. The Successes Clause. There we go. After Cal is awoken, he rushes to his mother's side. Scott finally returns to the North Pole trying to play off the accident, but everyone knows what is really happening. These elves are watching him like a hawk now, so he can't avoid the conversation of, did you almost just die out there? After the near-death experience, Scott decides retirement needs to occur. Luckily, there's another clause. The successes clause. Allows him to find a replacement if he ever decides to no longer uphold the mental of being Santa. An easy out is finally on the table. At first, Scott wants to keep it in the family. He travels to Florida to offer Charlie, with Eric Lloyd reprising his role, the position. Almost immediately, Charlie declines. He's happy with his life and knows that the North Pole is not conductive to raising children. Next on Scott's list is Cal. After he shows the slightest bit of interest, he decides to take Cal for a sleigh driving lesson to see if he has the chops. He obviously does not. He has no chops. He quickly jumps back into his VR world and leaves the Santa, Santa possibility behind. All this is happening with Simon, who's played by Cal Penn, is making a fool of himself in front of the board. He tries to come back from his abysmal Christmas delivery failure with drones. The drones have incredible comedic timing as they promptly crash through the window and attack the board members. However, uh, Simon's name is on everybody's lips as Cal suggests the creator of his VR equipment take on the role of Santa. Uh, a change needs to be made and fast as Bernard's spirit meter hasn't been this dumb since the 14th century. Hilarious. Bubonic plague and all that. I just thought it was very funny. Um, the overall Christmas spirit is as bad as it was during the plague. Okay. Again, I, if I'll just read, I would understand these things. Later, Sanger and Cal are caught sneaking into a restricted area. Scott is disappointed, but he starts to realize that they are just trying to get a peek into the real world. Cal's VR hasn't even been playing video games. He's been doing an in, in real life scenarios like mowing a lawn, a wholesome but yet a depressing moment. At that moment, Scott makes the official call he is retiring. Carol lets her hair down, the elves are, the elves are in a state of shock, and Simon is summoned toward the North Pole. So, after this episode, we're getting a little bit of peppering in of, oh, his kids have powers. We see more of it in episode 3 with um, his daughter. But Cal is clearly somehow, somewhat inclined. Because when, when something happened to his dad, he woke up from a dead sleep and said something's wrong. And jumped up and ran. So, I'm like, this is getting interesting here. And the Snakes episode we're about to talk about is really funny. I wish I had a, a breakdown, but I looked all over the web, listeners and watchers, and I couldn't find anything. So, we'll kind of just uh, wing it as we go for it. But I like this episode. We we see that Scott still wants to be at the North Pole. He loves being Santa. And we even went back to Charlie. I hope that's not the last we see of him. It might be, though, because he's clearly just with his family. And it's really funny that he hasn't told his wife that his dad's Santa Claus. And they thought it was a shrimp thing. A shrimp boat. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I just saw the shrimp while we were at dinner. It's the first thing I think of. I was like, okay. 
So, but it's it's good. Uh, this episode, I think I liked better than the first one. But again, we did get more uh, flashbacks to the movies with uh, Charlie. It was just so good. It's just, uh, oh God, my favorite Christmas movies other than Iron Man 3. But that's for another day. <sighs> All right. Episode 3, which I really... I enjoyed the first half of this one and then the last five right. minutes. Didn't really enjoy the middle bits, but that's for another story, which we'll get to. Chapter 3, titled Into the Wobbly Woods. The synopsis on IMDb is, uh, Scott decides that Simon Chokesky is the best person to take over the role of Santa when they search for their missing daughters. First part of the episode, we know uh, Cal gets kidnapped to be one of the interviewees for Santa Claus. We also find out there was one other person that was shown on screen, and I died. I had no idea this was on there, and sure enough, it was Peyton Manning. (laughs) Dude, it was so good. Um, they said, well, we say you got like, what was it? Like a 63% completion uh, rate. We're going to need you to, we need that a little bit high if you're going to be delivering presents. Because yeah, but you don't have pass rush defenders. And it's like, okay, this is getting really good. And I just, I loved it. They talked about the hat and they said, oh, we're going to need a bigger hat for your, for his head. Talking to yeah. Noel. And I was like, okay, this is so funny. Like yeah. this is very, clearly they had a lot of fun doing just this scene. I loved how enthusiastic he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could tell he was having a ball. And was it something? They said something about singing. I think it what it was. And he said, "Oh yeah, yeah. Brady's better than you, you in that as well, or Brady's got a better voice or something." And I was like, God, "Like this is great." Just them dissing on Brady while I talk about that, but it was, yeah. it was good. Uh, let's see, we so the Cal can't take a Cal. I keep Cal Pen. I keep wanting to call Cal the son. Um, so Simon's not allowed to take pictures for obvious reasons because once they, if they don't get chosen, they, their memory gets wiped and they just wake up just on, you know, like any other day. So there's no pictures allowed to be taken. Of course, Cal, it, uh, Simon is taking pictures just because he wants the memories and this is his dream job, I guess. Um, his daughter obviously wants him to do it. And so eventually they do, he is become, he does become the new Santa Claus. Now without a very like touching farewell from the elves to Santa and Mrs. Claus and the family, uh, with a little dance number, which they magically get poofed at the end on accident. Um, trying to think. Oh, we see his daughter has her powers. She could talk to animals, and I was like, "Huh, we're setting stuff up here." Like, cause uh, was a prancer, I think it was what it was. Said, uh, "You're my favorite," or something like that. Um, they get stopped by the witches in the woods. Santa goes there, hadn't talked to her in like 12 years, something like that. Blah, blah, blah. They come back, but then they move to Chicago. Everything's furnished. No one recognizes, uh, Santa Claus because he doesn't have a beer, fat belly. He's still gray headed. Um, his kids didn't recognize him, but all's happy in the world. Except we go back to the little spirit ball from the previous episode and it's darker. So, my theory with this show is that Simon is going to end up being a bad Santa, which I think they're setting that up, obviously. But I think he's going to want to try and take this to do his own property of stuff. And his own little, was it anywhere, anywhere now, or everything now company. And that's what his whole thing is, because he's been kind of setting it up. He was researching how does Santa do it. 
and he's taking pictures. Obviously, he's Santa Claus now. I hope this is not the thing because I really like Cal Penn, but I don't want, don't think he should be just some villain for not really a villain, but bad guy, misguided character is the word I guess what you use. What is it? The second episode where he sees Santa. In yes. Sky. He sees him go into like a vortex. Yeah. And he's like, what? what was How that? does he do that? I, yeah. I did. I did like the. It was this little bit in the third episode when Simon meets the Claus family, mm-hmm. and he he gets introduced to Cal, and he's like, oh, great name. Yeah. That very like very on the nose. That stuff like that is really funny, and. Yeah. But it's so quick. If you're not listening for it, you'll miss it. Yeah, there's there's been a couple of those, like yeah, some are callbacks to the movies as well. I really I wish like, I had them down, but I really like Elizabeth Mitchell and stuff too. Uh, yes, you know, she when she takes her hair down and almost kills Noel. Yeah, <laughs> he's just hung up on the wall. <laughs> oh man, but I am I am curious, uh, what you know. Beyond the bad sense, do you think we see um, Cal and what's the daughter's name? Uh, Sandra. Sandra, do you think we see them run it together? I ooh, I think there's going to be a something or like that. I I think Charlie. No, I think Charlie's. We've. I think we're done with him. He's only no. on IMDb. He's only credited for one episode. I'm sitting here looking at, it, so okay. I think that might just be it. But I think I do think Cal becomes Santa because yeah. he's got these powers. Um, there was something else he did um, in this third episode. Oh, I wish I could remember what it was. He showed off a power. And I forgot what it was. Um, he remembered somebody I, on the list, I think. Maybe. Well, oh, it was. Yeah, they're they're looking at the different at the lives of real people, mm. and he, he remembers what they've got going on yeah. in their lives. So I'm like, mm-hmm. So like, we're, we're, we're peppering in these magical aspects of Santa onto Cal. And I'm like, there's something going on here. I like your idea, though, both of them doing it together somehow, some yeah, way. She, she would sort of be the, the Mrs. Claus. Right. Which kind of sounds weird because they're brother and sister, yeah. but he's he doesn't have a wife or anything. So. Right. Which it's, I'm curious because that's what the whole second movie was about with Scott finding a wife. So, I mean, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what they're doing with it, but I'm in. I mean, we're halfway through at this point, but I'm, I'm liking it. And I, I do think Hal will become it. I want to see is Elizabeth Allen Dick who plays Sandra? Is that his real daughter? Um, yep, daughter of Tim Allen. Okay. So that's cool and different. I guess if you want to get your kids a job, that's how you do it. So well, she's good at least. I yeah, mean, it's not like she uh, stood out as being a horrible actress, or right? Yeah, she's and she is one of the ones that didn't really want to leave the North Pole. She's the one that's got the biggest trepidations about it. Of course, Cal wants to. He's, he wants to. He says it's true that you could sit in traffic with your your neighbors and just have a while to talk to each other. And Cal was like, uh, Cal Penn, uh, Simon was like, I mean, that's one way to see it. <laughs> I do love when they when they show them on uh, back in Chicago that morning, and after they've kind of encountered their dad without the Santa look, you know they they realize that it's eight degrees yeah, outside. 
And they're like, summer. <laughs> it's practically summer. That's just so good. Because you know at the North Pole, it's like negative something. Yeah. It's, it's not even negative. It's eight degrees. Oh, there's, they're gonna, it's going to be a fun show. I hate, I just realized we just had three more. That's it, though. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about episode four next week. And then, uh, again, no news. Releases this week, though. Wednesday, November 30th. Willow on Disney+. Plus. The TV show is going to launch there. And that is it for, for our TV. Yes, yes, yes. Um, on the movies. And let's talk. I didn't get to watch any actual movies beyond mm. what we were supposed to watch. But you did. Yes. Watched Santa Claus's 1, 2, 3. And love them. I mean, I feel like the first one's the best. Second one's right there with number one. And the third one just kind of falls off for me. But still. Usually still the way good. that it happens, though, when you yeah. get. Unfortunately. Yeah. <sighs> um, so, first up, let's see. What should we. You know what? Let's let's do the Guardians holidays. Yeah, keep with, keep with the, the holidays here. Yeah, because the. The movie we watched definitely not holiday <laughs> no. <for> it. <laughs> but I'm I'm very glad that we saw it because mm-hmm. I got some fun things to say about that one. Uh, so the Guardian special basically, um, the the first thing I guess to watch for is, and I saw this before I ever even watched the episode or the. It's not really a movie. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a special. Um the opening Marvel credit where they have clips of all the past movies and, and stuff in the side of the letters. Uh, She-Hulk mm-hmm. and her thunderclap is on the right side interior part of the A in Marvel. So you can keep mm-hmm. an eye out for that now. Uh, I love watching these because like, after you watch the projects, they have the new characters and things inside of that which there's you know tons of them at this point but it's fun to to watch those little cameos um we could do full spoilers for this and i i really enjoyed the the marvel logo treatment for it with the christmas lights on the border i thought that was just really just a small thing really cool looking yeah yeah absolutely um basically this it's just as you would expect it's a christmas story um they attempt to give Peter Quill a perfect Christmas because they're under the belief that Yondu ruined Christmas for him. Um, And in the process, they've heard him tell so many stories about a hero of Earth (laughs) named named Kevin Bacon. Yep. That, uh, That they decide the perfect gift would be to bring this hero to Peter... And so they go to L.A. and they kidnap Kevin Bacon. Mantis and Drax are the ones that do this. Um, love their chemistry together with just them yeah. two. I love them together. Fantastic. And uh, Mantis doesn't realize that she actually has the perfect gift for Peter the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he tells her that at the end. Um, and that is that Ego is her father as well. So did we did we know that from brother. at the end of the episode, movie two? We had to have, right? I was trying to figure that out because unfortunately, I've only watched Guardians Volume Two once, and that yeah, was when it came out. What you know, 
12 years ago, whatever, seven years ago. So I'm like, I don't remember that, but it had to be what have happened because I feel like that's just too big of a drop for, uh, for this. And they said it too casually, like it's already been discussed before. So I'm like, maybe I need to go back and watch it obviously again. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if it was a, um, a big point of discussion or if it was just something that, yeah, it's kind of just said and realized and then they had to keep going. Yeah. So, um, Basically, Kevin Bacon is under a um, he's under Mantis's spell, basically. And when Peter realizes it, he's like, "Take it off him now." Mm-hmm. But then once uh, Kevin Bacon realizes that their intention was good, he decides to stay. Yeah. And he rocks out with him a little bit. Which was interesting to see Kevin Bacon. He does he does have a band. I believe, oh yeah. In real life. Uh, but he um, it was interesting to see him in that role. I th- I did think it was interesting that there's a couple of times he's on the phone to his wife. He he's married to actress Kira Sedgwick, and it was actually her voice. On That's the hilarious. I didn't so know they that. Brought, they brought her in to do that. Uh, I also kind of wonder if his involvement in this was where he he wanted to do something MCU related, but he didn't want to make the commitment. Yeah, that, I could see him. that. Yeah, and I mean, who better to do it than James Gunn with the Guardians? Right. So, <laughs> right. Uh, they did have animated sequences for flashbacks where we got to see Yondu and what happened mm-hmm. when he supposedly ruined Christmas. Very good touching moments. Yeah, uh, so it was great to hear Michael Rooker back in, uh, in that role. Um, we find out Yondu only temporarily ruined Christmas because he finds Peter's gift to him. And so then he gifts Peter something. His guns. Uh, his, his guns. His, his iconic guns. And uh, it, it actually ends with the animation part where they they hit you know white speed do mm-hmm. these flips and boom merry christmas yeah. and happy holidays to everyone in the love sky. it that was so good like it uh, felt like the perfect uh like christmas little small special i mean they did a good job with it uh-huh yeah mantis was really good in this mm-hmm. uh, and i hate that, that batista dies in the, in the third movie so Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> not, not really a spoiler because well. we know he's not back after that. Yeah. And there's been a lot of talk about what's going on. But I'm wondering if we'll see in the third film, will they have any mention of what happened here? Oh, I think they will. I'm, I'm a, we'll at least get the, the brother-sister thing. Right. That'll carry over. But I'm wondering if there'll be any mention of Kevin Bacon or, you know. <sighs> Christmas. Uh, I love when Kevin Bacon... It's looking around when he's first been brought back and realized he's on this he's on this ship you know he's like he's looking around it's a talking raccoon (laughs) (laughs) there were so many like just great nods to the mcu in this one i think my favorite one was they were handing out gifts to each other and rocket gets bucky's metal arm from nebula 
Like, cause if it's a very big callback to Infinity War, he's like, "I yeah. want that arm," and sure enough, he gets the arm and he tears up. It's just so, like, this is a small little moments like that. The music was phenomenal, which you can find it on a Spotify playlist because I made sure to to put that on there when this movie dropped. And I feel like everybody did great. I think uh, Swole Groot, it was very funny. And him rocking out when everyone else didn't like the Christmas song. He was sitting there, just, just arms in the air, jumping around, like just acting like a fool. I was like, oh, this is good. They, James Gunn knows what he's doing with these characters, and these are his. And I'm curious to see a world after Guardians 3 and what that looks like. But I thought this was a great Christmas uh, film and a little story. I gave this four and a half stars, I think. Um uh, and it's just I, I loved it like there was so many small nods like you noticed like you said his uh, Kira Sedgwick being in there for it just on those phone calls um, the whole little heartwarming story of Christmas at the end and Kevin Bacon coming back to give Peter Quill a good Christmas and the only thing I don't think I liked was nobody knew who the Guardians of the Galaxy were in a post end game world because we've already got um Ant-Man's podcast, so surely they were mentioned in it, but maybe they just didn't know what they looked like um, because Mantis and Drax both were not recognized by anybody, but they were taking pictures in LA with some of the cosplayers, but I thought that was very funny, and then the bar drinking afterwards and... It was funny when they, uh, when they first see the cosplayers and they see someone dressed like Captain America, yeah. and she's like Steve! Yeah. She jumps on the guy, right. and he just freaks out and takes yeah. off. Yeah. So it's just this, anyway. the, the dumb fun stuff like that and it shows you like all the different characters and yeah, I, I loved it. It was very, very well done and as far as these specials go, I really enjoyed them. So. It moved really quickly. It's like 44 minutes long. Yeah, it did not feel and, that uh, at all. No, I, I was surprised it was ending. Yeah. Because yeah, I was like, that's only we've been going like 25, 30 minutes, right? Right. You know? <laughs> So, I'm ready for the next one. We don't have any. That's our last special that we know of so far. Yeah, no more Disney plus Marvel new content until uh, first the new year. Yeah, it's going to be because we've got Ant Man and Quantumania first. And then I forget what's after that. Surely it's got to be Loki. I get that after that one. I don't know. We'll have to. We'll have to delve into that some more. Yeah. So our our movie review the week of the week. Where the crawdads sing. Now we became aware of this. Was it Doctor Strange? It was either Doctor I think it was Elvis when we watched Elvis. it. Elvis. We we went to check out Elvis and this was one of the previews before the movie. And uh I was like, we got to watch that. Mm -hmm. That looks really good. And so I'm going to run down the storyline, just the, the brief synopsis that's here on IMD. Do we want to spoil this? Yeah, that... we can. I mean, it's it's a book, so I mean. <laughs> it's a book. And yeah, I've actually heard people comment online that the book was better than the movie. Which is really? Because this is really good. This was a banging movie. If I'd read the book, maybe I wouldn't have that opinion. Right, but as just as a just a movie watcher, yeah, I I loved it. I mean, they yeah. they killed this movie. 
Yeah. Um, so here's the uh, the synopsis. This is pulled just from IMDb because I don't want to go through a lengthy <laughs> book. Um, abandoned by her family, Kaya Clark, otherwise known to the townspeople of Barkley Cove as the Marsh Girl, is mysterious and wild. Where the Crawdads Sing is a coming-of-age story of a young girl raised by the marshlands of the South in the 1950s. When the town hotshot is found dead and inexplicably linked to Kaya, the Marsh Girl is the prime suspect in his murder case. Mm-hmm. They do a fantastic job of... You know, we've, we've watched stuff where we've said they didn't really make us feel that much for the characters right they, they make you feel for the character i feel like i feel like each and every character too even yeah. mabel and um jumping like i was really uh-huh. invested in them tate obviously uh even yeah. a, a little bit with chase andrews because I mean, we started off with him being murdered and then you he eventually comes into the story and you're like uh or murder slash suicide we didn't know yet um and then or we accident. Or accident, and we we see his progression deeper into becoming the movie villain, and then the ending happens. And I was like, okay, so they they made you believe it was certain people because like they put those yeah. little hints in there throughout the film. Yeah, and then you get the ending scene. I don't know to 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 jump ahead though to find out that Kaya did it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god. Like I, I was sitting here believing that it was an accident the whole time. And then we find that out in her journal. For a good chunk of the film, I was like, Tate did it. Yeah. Tate, when when he happened. came back and he saw the way she was treating him, I was like, oh yeah, Tate did this. Because we saw the hat. Yeah. We saw like those small little glimpses of stuff. And I was like, oh. But no. When- like It was just oh so good. Did you figure it out before the reveal? No, and and, and Jamie, because you know, I watch all these movies with Jamie, and she said that she goes, "Did she do it?" I was like, "Yes, she had the necklace carved out in the book and had him as the as sometimes evolution needs to, sometimes a prayer becomes a prey or something like that was at the end of the book, and then it had the necklace that people were looking for." I was like, "That she did it." She was like, "Oh, she goes, I, I just took that as she found the necklace or something like that." I was like, "No, no, no, that was the whole point of that." But no, I I had no idea suspicious when they're in the courtroom scene and the lady that saw her get on the bus is talking and the way they filmed it, the bus pulls up blocks the people standing at the bus stop you can't see who actually is getting on and I was like, okay, they're not actually showing her Mm. I, I was like, they've done that in movies before, where like a vehicle pulls up and then when it pulls away the person's gone they assume the person got on the on the bus and they now in her case they actually tell it that she did get on the bus yeah because she went to she had dinner they with had them but i was still thinking okay they, they filmed it that way for a reason yeah so i didn't know well see oh that's a good point kind of confident i think that i think she did get on the bus she went to that dinner but the, the judge asked did you you know, the bus came back at two thirty or whatever. Did you see her? What were you at the shop then? She was like, "Well, no." She was like, "Well, she could have came back." And I was like, "So they had all this choreographed out. And they knew the story, 
but somehow just happens that it showed how good of a lawyer Tom Milton was and got her out right. of it, and she did do it. Like, I don't think at any point in the story she said she didn't do it. Uh, they just kind of left you saying that, thinking that she didn't do it. So I'm like, hmm. Yeah, he, he Tom uh, Milton, her lawyer, played by uh, David. I always have trouble with his last name. Straight Iron? Straight Iron, Straight Iron. <laughs> uh, he, um, he even asked her at one point while she's in her jail cell, is there anyone else that you can think of that could have done this? And she just shakes her head no. Yeah. And at that point, I'm thinking she's covering up for tape. Yep, that's exactly and, we'll get to that point. And then when, when we see him come into the courtroom with some of the other oh, folks. Oh, I thought that she, she snitched on him or something. I thought he was going to th- give himself up. Right. I was like, he's not going to want her to serve time for this if he did it. Um, well, see, that's how good this movie was because at one point I even thought the brother did it because the brother comes back for a little bit yeah. and then we see him again in the courtroom. I was like, oh, we're setting something up here. But like that's just how they threw you through a bunch of loops. At one point I thought Jumpin' did it. Jumpin' and Mabel did yeah. it. And at one point, oh. I like the scene where they show Chase and Kaya go up the fire tower. Yes. Because I'm like, okay, he, we're getting the point now. He he takes he's careful to take his foot and move that grate back back into place because mm-hmm. it was lifted. And I'm thinking, okay, well that explains why there wouldn't have been some fingerprints on right. there too. Because he, he's just kicking it back in place. But it also said that he knew stuff was that way. Right. So he knew to watch out. So it's, the, 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 the redirects and misdirects were so good. Because at first I was like, oh, so the Kaya, they showed her as uneducated. And then as the movie goes on, you see her self-taught. She's publishing work and doing all this other stuff. So like at the beginning of the movie, I was like, she's not smart enough to to wipe her fingerprints away or doing or like cover her tracks. But then you see at the beginning of the movie, her covering her tracks when she was with Tate and early on in, in her life. But I never the fingerprints. I think she just read somewhere to wipe that off or something like that. But you know, we see her cover up her tracks and she was like, no, I was, I was with my publishers at that point. So I was like, Oh, this, that is such a good job. It makes me want to read the book. It really does. Um, and, you know, the performance that carries the movie is Daisy Edgar Jones. Yes, the whole I, way. She it, put this whole thing on her back and did a great job with it. And you would not know from hearing her in the film, because I looked it up, because I, I, I thought I was like, she has to be from the South. No, she's from England. It's a shocker. <laughs> shocker. <laughs> but, you know, it's... It's really an amazing performance on her part. Everybody in this did well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Taylor John Smith played Tate. He did really well. Uh, Harris Dickinson did really well playing an asshole. Yeah. Uh, and, and just and the he, whole time. And he I mean, wasn't at, at first, though. Like, he, at one point, you're like, okay, I can really like this guy, and he's changing for Kaya. She's like, you know, be yourself around me kind of thing. They both had that going on. And then, like, we saw him start drinking. So I'll say, okay, here's where this is starting to, to go into play. But then, like, he, he he almost rapes her. And she was like, no. And, like, he backs off and everything. Um, and then he tries to, he does try to rape her. And then she hits him in the head. And then, the, conveniently, a guy is on the boat and says, I'll kill you next time I see you kind of thing. Which, 
I guess true enough, she did. But even the even hitting him in the head—that's when my my brain went to. Okay, he was suffering from a head injury, and he felt the effects when he was up there. Yeah, it fell. fell. And no, nope, it was. <laughs> so, but I I did. Oh, when she goes with him on the trip, mm -hmm. and it's her first time, right? I mean, she she couldn't have had much worse of a first time. Yeah, because I mean, it was like three pump chump. <laughs> And he's just like, it'll get better for you. As yeah. You I was like, oh, what, this like, guy. Out with you, apparently. Right. <laughs> well, and then the, and then we see his real, we knew he was a douchebag. And right. then we see the real douchebaggery when he's, when she goes into town and he's like, oh, you can't be here. You know, why are you here kind of thing. Yeah. And we find out he was with his mother and his fiance. And yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Here's where we're going with this. That's when it came out that she was his dirty little secret. Yep, that's he, exactly he what it was. Bringing her along just to be with her, and that was it. Yep. And uh, I, I love the way that though that the, they set it up. She get a lot of time at the beginning with her as a kid, mm -hmm. and they, they don't just tell you her, the rest of the family took off. They show them leaving. Yes. Because the dad is just so abusive. And going down the line of people that are there, from oldest to youngest. Yeah. yeah, and on top of it, she has this great line where she says, I learned from the other's mistakes on how to avoid mm -hmm. setting him off. And she does. I mean, he really, he really doesn't physically do much to her. You'll right. See. Uh, he grabs her real hard by the arm at one point. I think he may have thrown her down at one point. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, and I, part of that's probably too him realizing she's all that he had left. Yeah. Well, then we so, we never heard or know what happened about him at the end. We know he uh, left he, after reading the letter, and the letter said that uh, she wanted all her kids come come back or to come to her. Yeah. And he just left, and she's been, you know, raised herself, which, with Tate's help, did a great job, had a great life, essentially. Um, yep. Tate, you know, obviously didn't have, make the best decision with her, you know, promise I'm going to come back next week or in 10 days or whatever it was and never showed up. But, I mean, yeah. she had her house remodeled and redone, had electricity put in, and it looked great, and obviously uh -huh. lived there and died there. But I was like, man, this is, I'm telling you, this was a great, great movie. And I don't know if I would have watched it if we did not see the previews during Elvis. Yeah. And, I mean, man, it was, I feel like this was one of our better movies from the year. I, I agree. And I don't know if you've ever seen this because it's an older movie. I saw it when I was, I was a kid. Um, film Fried Green Tomatoes. Did you ever watch that? I want to say Happy Bates just Sandy. No, I don't think I have. It uh, sounds familiar though. Yeah. Um it's it that one's more comedic than this. This does not really have comedy in it at all. There's a couple of points where you might chuckle a little bit. Right. Uh early interactions between Tate and Kaya. But that one involves um good friends one of them's in an abusive relationship 
and they finally end up killing the guy. Mm. And they uh, they own a little meat and three, right? So they end up serving him up as barbecue. To oh get no! Rid of and it, but it's it's this southern film, sort of a revenge tale, mm-hmm. kind of like this. Um, not as dark, but it, there were parts of it. Parts of this made me think of that. Huh. I was just like, we might have to check it out at some point then. Kind of cool, but um, I gave this, I gave this four stars. Yeah, I think, I think I gave it four and a half or four. Yeah, between the holiday special and this one, mixed in, but both were great, and I liked this one a lot better than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was. I want to watch this one again at some point in life just because yeah, I just really enjoyed this one. The scene where she goes to the store with her dad because she finally had to tell him I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. And all he has money for apparently are a bag of grits yep. and something else. But it's not a lot. And so the, uh, oh, what's her name? Mabel. Works at the store. Mabel throws a lollipop in the bag. For right. Her. She saw her eye in it. Yeah. It's good. Like, I mean, I, Mabel and Jumpo are probably the the heroes of this whole story. I mean, yeah. Mabel uh, won Tate, I guess, but Mabel gave her shoes, gave her dresses, taught her how to sew, and taught her how they, to all those the girl things. They protected her too. Yeah, you know, like when the uh, social services came around looking for, her, oh, yeah. she just comes in whenever she comes in. Right. We don't know where she's at. They were and, they were good people. And they're only yeah. only black people in that community, and they even, through 1969 fashion, you know, even threw some of that racism in there. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, oh, well, was it the social worker? Yeah, that said it. He called him boy, and I was like, mm mm, uh-huh. no sir. <laughs> and, and we see him pass away before the film's over. Yes, I get like they, like that last 15 minutes, I guess five, 10 minutes, maybe. Was was going through the years. We see their kids. We see her die. We see him going through the house and packing things up and finding that journal. And I was like, "Oh man!" And I, I couldn't tell how he felt about that because uh, obviously he she never told him that she right. did it. But like it was kind of like a shock on his face. But I didn't really. And I wonder. Okay, so that had to be it, right? When he when he was reading that book. And we had voiceover from Kaya. I guess that was the lines from the book that she was writing. That's that, I'm sitting here thinking about it, so I think she did it. So maybe he understood. But man, what a good film! Yeah, I mean it's what I what I really liked about it was the way they summed it up. I think. I mean. The film's great, but right. that that last montage of stuff really just drove it home. Yeah, didn't want us wanting for more. We saw the fate of a lot of people, and well, they they had to do some. I mean, they didn't have to, but it helped that they gave us an answer because yes. we didn't know. You know, like there was nothing to tip what actually happened. Yeah, because so what did happen with the necklace? You know, right. And then he just takes it off the 
off the, I think it was like a little piece of leather, he takes it off of and he drops it onto the beach. Yep. And he gets Let's it out. go. Yeah. And never to be found again. But she could have actually come out and just after it, it. Yeah. Because double jeopardy, she couldn't be tried again. Mm-hmm. But she wouldn't have been able to stay in the community, probably. They were. Right. Swamp Girl. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good film. Um, next week, Spirited on Apple Plus is going to be the film. This is... Uh, I started I started to say Will Allen. I don't know. Will Ferrell and, uh, and Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. So. Should be good, though. Should be, yeah. Um, all right. Our news, our only news of the whole show. Bob Iger. This comes from Deadline. Dominic Patton and Dade Hayes. Bob Iger and a Disney shocker is back as CEO and Bob Chappick is out. Uh, after less than a year in retirement, Bob Iger's returned as CEO of the Walt Disney Company. The company's board has sent out a notice that Bob is back and the recently re-upped Bob Chappick is out. I'm deeply honored to be asked to again lead this remarkable team with a clear mission focused on creative excellence to inspire generations through unrivaled, bold storytelling. Iger wrote tonight in an email to staffers. Having handed over the baton as CEO in February of 2020 to Chappick, a stunning move unto itself at the time, and then serving as executive chairman till the end of 2021, Iger will be CEO for a second time for the next two years, the company says. His mission will also include identifying a successor, something Iger had difficulty doing while commanding the troops the last time, postponing multiple plans to step down during his 15 years in the top job, the final stage of a 47-year run at Disney. Uh, The board has concluded that as Disney embarks on an increasingly complex period of industry transformation, Bob Iger is uniquely situated to lead the company through this pivotal period, said board chair Susan Arnold in the official announcement. Just a couple of weeks after a rougher-than-expected quarterly earnings report by the company, once an overachiever buoyed by success in streaming, Disney stock has recently sunk to a multi-year low after executives warned of weak revenue and profit gains in the year to come and also hefty expenses for streaming. Company shares have lost roughly 40% in 2022 to date. Mm. Um, I don't think there's really anything. He's just thanking people, talking about how he loves the company. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I think the rest is just up for us to, to discuss. Um, that's nutty, though. So it sounds like the earnings of the company and its struggle are what got Chappick. Um, I mean, 40% is not uh, not good. No, it's not. But it also encompassed the COVID pandemic and a lot of companies' earnings were down. So True. I don't know how they... It sounds like he came in and in the two years he was there, they realized you know, this really isn't the guy we wanted. Uh, here's our reason to get him out the door. I'm trying to and look at the stock right now. So it looks like two weeks ago it dipped to uh, like $87 a share. Now it's back up to 
as of right now, $98.90. But I'm like, it. March 2021, $197 a share. And it's just been kind of going down since then. So I'm like, hmm, maybe there is something. And you can tell Stop. when they announced he'd come back because now it's back up in the 90s. So, Yeah. Um, the big thing is going to be what does this do moving forward? Are we going to see any differences? I mean, he just stepped away two years ago. And you look at what the MCU... Star Wars and stuff had done before that. Yeah, he's not going to interrupt that. No, he he's he came back and said to I think in a different interview um, that talked about this, and he says I'm he goes I've always been and I still will be putting the projects in the creators' hands and letting them do with what they want to with it, which obviously is for the MCU is Kevin Feige, and it works. And if it's not fix, if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's kind of the exact opposite of DCU. <laughs> At this point, but yeah. I, I do wonder if we're going to see anything different. So, for me, as a as a physical media collector, right, I like getting the stuff on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. So I've got all the MCU movies, and I've got Disney Plus doesn't put their shows out, and that annoys me, as, especially yeah. for the MCU with all my steelbooks I have for them. That bugs me, like truly bugs me. Especially because, I mean, maybe I know we're in a streaming world now, but the will that always last. And I feel like they might do a, a special edition at some point where we get this stuff, but I want and, it. And if, oh, it'll be like a huge $500 box yeah. set or something. That, um, that's not fun. But, you know, the thing about it is, as far as that stuff goes, if you're someone who's cut the cord. Mm-hmm. To have the streaming apps you need to watch everything that you may want to watch now, you have to pay as much as you paid for cable. Yep, that's that's so that's, uh, that's where we've been because we've had that conversation. That's where, that's where being able to pick up stuff you know you're going to want to rewatch, like MCU properties, is great to have on physical media because you can say, well, if we weren't doing the podcast you would be able to just say, well, I'll buy it when it comes out. Right. We don't need to get Disney Plus. I'll buy it when it comes out and watch it then. But you can't do that. Mm-mm. You know? So I wonder what changes will happen there, if any. Um, I wonder if they'll get rid of their bundle, which is how I subscribe to Disney Plus. I've got Disney, Hulu, and ESPN mm. Plus. I've got that bundle. I wonder if they'll do away with that or raise the price on it to bring in more revenue. I'm sure they'll raise the price eventually. Hulu has been, that's what let us get away from it. Now we're on YouTube TV is because they kept raising and raising and raising. And I was like, well, can't, uh, can't justify that because we might as well just be paying for cable. So. But, and it sucks. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's not going to interrupt the content. It, we could see changes in how they distribute some of the content. Right. I don't think it'll be, uh, especially with how they're doing Star Wars now and the MCU yeah. stuff, I think we're, I don't think we will see creative changes, but I'm right there with you. Maybe distribute distribution, um, things on the back end kind of stuff, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's really it. We don't have any major releases this week. 
uh, we are on Tyler to games. So, Chris, I know last week you said you were going to jump into God of War Ragnarok. How far in you? How are you? How far in are you? And how are you enjoying it so far? I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm not far in. I'm to the first battle with Thor. Yeah. So it's good. Which is no, no surprise. He's in the game. It's called Ragnarok. Right. He's a big part of the the trailers and everything. <laughs> um, we've already had our little sit down with Odin, where he pitched peace. And like, no. Yep. No. He, he <laughs> and he he left and left Thor to try and kill us. Mm-hmm. There's more to it. There's more to that story, Chris. You'll get yeah. there. Man, it's I'm I'm like 21. That's the only game I played this week, and I played Pokemon Scarlet a little bit on the side. But God of War Ragnarok, I played before going to work, and then if I had the chance after I get off work, but this week's been crazy because of Thanksgiving. But I am 21 hours, 20 hours, like 58 minutes. So, and I can confidently say if this game sticks the landing, like I, I know it probably will, this will probably be my favorite game of all time. Like without a doubt. There's been so many like just great moments in the game. Like I had, there was one earlier I played today that brought me to tears. And I'm like, this isn't even the ending this isn't anything like profound. Like it just it just brought me to tears. Like, this game is so beautiful. The combat's fun. Uh, the story is excellent. Like I'm not bored playing this. There's only been like one mission line, and I was like, okay, I'm kind of tired of doing this. But that's only like 10 percent of what I've played so far, and everything just completely outweighs it. And that's why I'm like, if it sticks to landing, this could go down as my favorite game of all time, even more so than the first one. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just because it's they introduced the characters in the first one and were kind of building on storylines and introducing more people. But man, like there is some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff in this game. And there's a certain scene that is very touching. I don't think there's any music playing during it. It's one of those. You just have the sound effect of what's going on. And then Kratos' theme music kicks in. Like the dun dun, I oh, just it's so good, man, and it gives me chills every single. I even tweeted that out, I think, on Thanksgiving actually. Said so every time I hear a Kratos' theme in this game, I get chills just because they they don't overplay it and they play it in that exact right moment and exact right time, and it's just so just very well done. I can't wait. Oh man, I can't wait to keep playing this game because the goal is to beat it before the video game awards. So I've got. Less than two weeks to beat it. I don't know if I'm going to. I've heard it's like a 40 to 50 hour game, so I might be able to if I just say, "Hey, nothing else. This is all I'm going to do." But is that to platinum it? Or no, that's just a. I think I think that's just the main story. No, 51 hours might be to platinum it. So, which I I will do because it's it's not a hard platinum. I'm just going to clean up everything, and it's. Yeah. It's taken me a minute because like there's certain favors which I call the side quests that I'm like okay I want to explore that more, but then I'm like oh I really need to stop and do and play through the main story so I can beat it and then come back and do everything else. But oh it's so good. Um again no news we just did the one for the movies and a bunch of releases this week we're still ramping up this might be it though I think as far as the end of the year goes. Um, Gundam Evolution for everything but PC 
which I already dropped earlier in September, December 1st. The Callisto Protocol for everything but the Switch, December 2nd. Marvel's Midnight Suns on uh, everything but the Switch, December 2nd. Need for Speed Unbound for everything but the Switch, December 2nd. And Fortnite Chapter 4 for everything launches December 4th, which I will be jumping in on that just to, like I normally do. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you all so much for listening and watching this episode of the Nerdwide Podcast. Don't forget to share on all your favorite social media platforms. And don't forget to rate and review whatever podcasting service you use. Social media, you can follow the Nerdwide account at nerd underscore wide on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow at Ty underscore Haynes, which is me personally. And you can follow Chris at MavTN7. Facebook.com, search in Nerdwide, Nerdwide Podcast, Nerdwide.com. We're the first thing that pops up there with our logo. Follow us on either Twitter or Facebook. It's the first way you can get notified when the episode goes live. If you have like all your notifications turned off for your podcasting apps and YouTube, because sometimes I do that as well. But those two ways, the first way you can find out when an episode is published. But ladies and gentlemen, this has been this week's episode of the Royal Podcast, and we cannot wait to talk to you about more Christmas things and spirited next week, and we will see you then. Later, guys. <laughs>